Last week, we started on Daniel chapter 9. This chapter is titled, uh, The Interrupted Prayer. It has, Daniel 9 has 27 verses. We actually went through 25 verses. And uh, Daniel, in his old age, in this chapter, he's starting out praying to God and really he's interceding for the Jewish people. And this prayer is being prayed really close to the time that the 70 years of Jewish captivity is over. And Daniel understands that. And we went over that heartfelt prayer last week, ranging verses 3 through 19. So if we could go to Daniel 9, 20, just a really quick review. And uh, he says, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, he was interceding uh, and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. So this is the archangel Gabriel, as we pick up in verse 22. These, uh, remember we've had the stairs have been sticking out, and, and this, you really got to be careful, this is dangerous. <laughs> and so, this is Daniel, he informed me and talked with me. And this is, this is Gabriel right here. And said, oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of your supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show you that you are great, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. We, we, did, we went over this last week, Daniel 9, 24. 70 weeks, this is in the Amplified, of years, 490 years are decreed upon your people. Who's his people? The Jews. And upon your holy city, Jerusalem, to finish and put an end to transgression, to seal up, make full the measure of sin, to purge away and, 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 and make uh, expiation and reconciliation for sin, to bring in everlasting righteousness, permanent morale and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation. And seal up vision and prophecy and prophet. So we, are not, we know this hasn't been done. The, 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 every vision, every prophecy has not been fulfilled. This 70 weeks is not over. And so you have 70 weeks that you can see that's described in the Amplified as 70 weeks of years. Not 70 weeks of days. Think of it like this. Monday's not a day. Monday's a year, Tuesday's a year, Wednesday's another year, Thursday's another year, all the way to the end of the week, okay? And one week equals seven years, not seven days. Seventy weeks of years is the timeline. And going through Daniel 24, it simply means 70 weeks of years have been cut out. The word determined in verse 24 means cut out or cut off. Cut out for who? For the Jews. 70 weeks of years, God has cut out just to deal with the Jews. And we went through verse 24. 
in detail. If you want to look at last week on YouTube, and, and verse 25 is possibly one of the most astounding verses in the Old Testament. I, I don't know if I can do this, review this, give it, uh, justify this review on this verse, but it says, know therefore and understand, this is Gabriel, that from the going forth of the commandment, what? To restore and build Jerusalem. From that commandment unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, three score, and two weeks. The streets shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. So Gabriel says, from the time of the beginning of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, there's a beginning date here. A definite end date. And unto Messiah, the prince. End date. Shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. 69 weeks of years of those 70 weeks. All right? Are in these two dates. Is what he's saying. Instead of taking time and trying to spell, it, spell that out for you, if you could trust me, there's no disagreement among the, the scholars, the commentators, that seven weeks and three score and two weeks, that phrase in Daniel 29, means 69 weeks of years. Let's talk about 69 of the 70 weeks. And this is what we went through last week. History, many scholars, uh, people a lot smarter than me, and this isn't new news, and being able to figure out, if you want the details, the basic, basic details, you have to listen to last week's message. From the time of that commandment that we just read, to go forth and rebuild Jerusalem and the temple, the Persian king Anaxerxes' decree, we know through history, was March 14th, 445 BC. From that date in history, History has that date, and history also has the date where Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey four days before he was crucified, April 6th, 32 AD, all right? So we have the two dates. Gabriel said, from the time of the decree, Anaxerxes, the Persian king, made that decree to build both the city and the temple to the time where Jesus was called, allowed himself to be called king. And when you take all the leap years in between those two dates, when you take the fact that it's, it's, it's very clear that the Bible calendar, as you can find out in Genesis chapter seven and eight, is a 360 day year calendar. And you do all the calculations from the day of the going forth of the commandment by Anaxerxes to the prophet Nehemiah to restore and build Jerusalem and the temple all the way to where Jesus rides in to Jerusalem on the donkey. Is that, is that how you ride a donkey? Yep. <laughs> and he allows himself to be proclaimed king. They, to, they call him king. I heard one commentator put I read, he was presenting himself as the perfect sacrifice at that time when he rode in on the donkey. Those, between those two dates, 
That time was exactly 173,880 days. 69 weeks of years to the day. It all adds up to the day. This isn't new news either. And the guy that really is the one that broke this open, it's not news, was in 1894, a man by the name of Sir Robert Anderson. One commentary on him, Sir Robert Anderson, by a careful analysis of the prophecy of Daniel 9, 24 through 27, calculated that Jesus, to the very day, fulfilled Daniel's prophecy concerning the appearance of the Messiah. Dr. Alva McCain has written, April 6th, 332 AD, therefore is fixed definitely as the end of the era of the first 69 weeks. And according to Daniel's prophecy, it should mark the very day of Messiah's manifestation as the prince of Israel without attempting to enter into the clear but intricate chronological calculations set forth by Anderson in his book, The Coming Prince, pages 95 to 105, that's, he does the calculation, I shall simply state his conclusion that April 6, 32 AD was the 10th of Nisan, that monumentous day on which our Lord in the fulfillment of Messianic prophecy rode up to Jerusalem on a donkey and offered himself as the prince and king of Israel. And so this to say, these calculations are telling us 173,880 days is equal to the 69 years of weeks. This prophecy by the archangel Gabriel to Daniel has been calculated. There is no error from that time, from the time. Sorry to repeat myself again. There's no error from the time of the, the day the Persian king Anaxerxes decreed in Nehemiah. That's spoken of three times in Nehemiah chapter two to restore and build not just the temple but the city of Jerusalem all the way to the day when Jesus rides in on a donkey is exactly 69 weeks of years down to the day. We, I even had a longtime member write in. He emailed in. He's been coming here 30 33 years, and he said he found it marked in his Bible from 30 years ago about the decree, April 14th, 445 B.C., to when Jesus rode in on the donkey, April 6th, 32 B.C. It's marked in his Bible, 173,880 days. He gives the little equation, counting in Bible years, 360 days. That longtime member has gone here for 33 years. Thank you for emailing me, Mark. Because someone taught you that 30 years ago. And I think I put it together last night because a woman came out onto the brown couch. And she said, you know where it was taught 30 years ago? Living Word Bible Institute. So do you, you guys remember Living Word Bible Institute? Who, who remembers Living Word Bible? They were teaching that. Living Word Bible. We have another Living Word Bible Institute coming. You're aware of that, in essence. And so, how can you not believe the Bible? This was hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. You cannot get a more precise prophecy than that. 
And you can find copies of Sir Robert Anderson's book, which was republished in 1994, called The Coming Prince, on, on PDF. In other words, you can download it onto your phone. So that's what we spent most of our time on last week, was practically all of our time. It was verse 25. Let's pick up in verse 26. There's only two verses left, okay? And after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off. And the people of the prince that shall come. Is he here yet? The people of the prince that shall come, all right, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. I've got to explain here. It says three score and two weeks, the Messiah is cut off. Well, if you look up into the previous verse, which we went over last week, you had seven weeks of years, and then three score and two weeks. And, and you look at all these commentators, scholars, they're all saying that the first seven weeks were taken care of, it was literally, was the amount, seven weeks of years, it took them to get the temple built and Jerusalem rebuilt, all right? Because sometimes it stopped, they stopped work on it, then they restart. And people have taken great pains go back into this history. So the 69 weeks is up, and then the Messiah is cut off, and four days before he's cut off, he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, and they're waving palms. Then he's cut off, he's crucified. Remember now, this is still the angel Gabriel talking. So you have right here in the Old Testament that the Messiah has to die that he's going to be executed. If we could put the sculpture up. The Messiah was executed for a capital crime he did not commit. He was executed for me and you. The word cut off in Hebrew means eliminate, kill, execute. Then we have the phrase that we have to break down here. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So the prince that shall come is not Jesus Christ. That's not talking about him. This is a word, one of the names in the Old Testament for the Antichrist. And we already know that uh, what history, through history, what was destroyed, the sanctuary in 70 AD in Jerusalem, 38 years after Christ was crucified, Four Roman legions under Titus Vespasian put a siege on Jerusalem. Titus Vespasian, who was the commanding general of the 10th Roman legion, during the siege of Jerusalem, which lasted nine months, was called back to Rome to be crowned Caesar because Caesar Augustus had died. And so his, 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 his command went to his son, excuse me, not Augustus. Augustus died in 14 AD. So, but, but he hands the command to his son Titus, Titus Vespasian Jr. And his son actually said, when Jerusalem finally fell after nine months, he said, do not, do not destroy the temple. He gave orders, don't destroy the temple. But his men, the, the Roman soldiers, 
had heard there was gold mixed in with the mortar between the giant stones that made up the structure of the temple, and they took the whole thing apart. This wasn't Solomon's temple here, all right? This, this wasn't. This is the one that Anaxerxes gave Nehemiah the decree to build, all right? So Solomon's temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. So they actually hooked oxen to the giant stones and pulled every stone apart and found no gold. So the Roman soldiers, in their anger, demolished the temple completely, did not leave one thing standing, which is exactly what Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, 1 and 2. Four days before he was crucified, immediately after he rode the donkey into Jerusalem and they hailed him as king, he prophesied that the Romans would destroy the temple. Over one million Jews were slaughtered. Hundreds of thousands were sold as slaves. They crucified so many Jews on crosses, tens of thousands of them, that they ran out of places to, to put crosses. Imagine being a child witnessing this. History said that the slave markets were so full of hundreds of thousands of Jews being sold that they were going for pennies per slave. So we've gone over 69 weeks of what I'm explaining to you. We showed this to you last week, this little graph. If we could put up that timeline, okay? If we could put up that timeline. So in verse 25, it's covering the 69 weeks. Verse 26, there's an interval. You see the cross, you can see the, uh, the temple burning. And we are still in that interval. This is the dispensation of the church, okay? We're still in that interval. But before we get into verse 27, I want to talk to you more about the people of the prince that shall come in verse 26. A lot of people get this. This is why one of the reasons that people think and believe just about all the scholars and commentators that the Antichrist is coming somewhere out of the territories of the old Roman Empire. So the phrase, and the people of the prince that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, is talking about the Romans in 70 AD, and they are the original people of the prince that shall come. Not here yet, shall come. The Antichrist. And this is where you get the phrase, the revised Roman Empire. A lot of scholars use that phrase. The prince that shall come is one of 33 titles that you have for the Antichrist in the Old Testament. There are 13 titles in the New Testament for the Antichrist. And remember the word antichristo in the Greek language really means instead of Christ. Not just anti Instead, replacing, replacement for Christ. Revelation 13.1, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. This is probably the spirit behind him that, that John is seeing, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name blasphemy, this great sea that he rises up out of. Last night it was funny. Uh, it was we we hit this moment in the service where 
I just lost my place. And I said, did I read that scripture yet? And all, my, all the people in the first four rows, you know, I said, this is, this is out of the great sea of people. It's, it's considered the great sea that's spoken of in Daniel 7.2. And then I forgot that I had read the scripture. And they all shook their heads. And I thought, this is the first time ever that I am thinking about something else and all of them are thinking about something else while the sermon is being preached. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? It's really a momentous moment in the five o'clock service. And I, I heard Billy Brim say, you can't do a study on Revelation without doing Daniel first. You're gonna have a hard time understanding it. Now this beast, this conglomerate type beast that's about to be described in Revelation, uh, Daniel saw a version of this in Daniel 7. Can we put up that, 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 that image of the Roman beast? It was, it was so scary to him, he, he couldn't describe it vicious. And so this is the beast that represents the Roman Empire in Daniel 7, Revelation 13, 2. And the beast that I saw resembled a leopard. Do you guys remember the leopard? Who's the leopard represent? Wow. See, no one knew this last night. We've been over and over this. The beast resembled a leopard, but his feet were like those of a bear. And his mouth was that of a lion. Do these things sound familiar? And to him, the dragon gave his own might and power and his own throne, gave him his throne and great dominion. So the biggest part of this beast, probably the spirit empowering the Antichrist, is the biggest part of him is the leopard. And as you guys got, uh, what represented in, uh, can we show the image of the leopard that I showed you guys? I've showed you guys this. Th that represented the Greek empire. It was a vision that, that, that Daniel had, and, and, and even Nebuchadnezzar had a form of it. And so it's interesting, Revelation 13, 2, the, the beast I saw resembled a leopard, but his feet were like those of a bear. And his mouth was like that of a lion. Remember this one? Let's put the bear up. Let's put the bear up. Not quite yogi. Hey, boo-boo. Three ribs in his mouth, the bear that gets up on one side. Who does the bear, who does the bear represent in Daniel 7? Wow, you guys. You guys make me want to eat Funyuns. You guys are on it. And so, and then you had the mouth was, was that of a lion, okay? Remember, remember the lion image? Who's that? Can we put the lion up? Who's the image of the lion represent? Wow, you guys. Because last night, you guys ever see that movie, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? <laughs> Where the teacher, you know, he's got the crooked glad. He's like, anyone? Anyone? That's how it went last night. Who remembers the, 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 the empire the bear represented? Anyone? Bueller? Right? That's how it was last night. The five. That, matter of fact, the nine has surpassed the five for energy. Okay. And so, and, and so it is interesting. Revelation 13, 2, the dragon gave his own might and power and his own throne. 
So the devil himself is the dragon. Now notice, the devil's got a counterfeit for everything. The, the devil is the dragon. He represents the father. The beast is the antichrist. He represents the son. And the false prophet is a counterfeit for the Holy Spirit. He's got a counterfeit for everything. Revelation 17, 11, the, And the beast that was is not. The beast that was and then it's not, and even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. The beast that was is the Roman Empire, and then it was not. We just read. But then he comes back again, and that's why people call it the revised Roman Empire. He has nothing to do with the city of Rome itself, okay? This all fits together because the revived Roman Empire, uh, remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel interpreted? Can we put that up? The statue? Remember how the legs of iron, you know, you had the, you had the top, the, the head of gold, Babylon, the, the silver chest and arms, Persia, the midsection there was Greek and then Greece, and then in order, and then the Roman legs of iron were, were Rome. Well, then the feet, Okay, remember, legs of iron represented Rome, the feet of iron and clay, all right, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and boom, that's Revelation 17, 12. That's the beast that was there, that was, and then was not, and then it comes back as an empire mixed with iron and clay. So you've got the Roman Empire and the beast that seemingly goes away. So it was. And then we read it was not. And then it comes back again in the form of the 10 kingdoms. Okay? If you read the next verse, it says those 10 kings have power for one hour. As we've talked about many times in this series, the Antichrist defeats three of the 10. And then the other set in war, the other seven capitulate to him. And that's when he gets it all. Remember we read in Revelation that, that his beast in the spirit, and I think John is describing that, he's got a piece of all those empires. Isn't that interesting? But he's mostly Greece, the feet of the bear, the mouth of the lion. He's got a piece of Persia, a piece of Babylon, a piece of Greece. And I think about it. See how Nebuchadnezzar's statue that, that, that he dreamed, and Rome has two legs. They were the legs. That represents the Eastern and Western Roman empires. It matches up with history that wasn't even there yet. We all think of the Western Roman Empire because they were fighting the, the Germanic barbaric tribes, the, the Visigoths and all those guys. But people forget about Constantinople and the Eastern end of the Roman Empire, the, the Byzantine Empire. And it lasted a 1,000 years longer than the West. And the Byzantine Empire, the Eastern Roman Empire, covered many of the Islamic states today. So Daniel 9, 27, again. All right, here we go. We're, we're going, let's say, let's say the rapture comes. We are then into the 70th week. As soon as we're gone, right? 69 weeks, we're in the inter interval, which is the dispensation of the church after the 69 weeks that ended when Jesus, you know, rode into 
And so he shall enter into a strong and firm covenant with the many for one week, seven years. And in the middle of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and offering to cease. We're going to get to that. For the remaining three and a half years, the last three and a half years, and upon the wing or pinnacle of the abomination shall come one who makes desolate. He's going to make everything desolate. Uh, until the full determined end is poured out on the desolator himself. So who's he? And he shall enter into a strong and firm covenant. It's the Antichrist. And from the time of the rapture, when the Antichrist comes on as the answer man, there will be extreme trouble in the world. CNN and MSNBC and all my favorites, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be reporting that, that you know, it, they're, they're going to be trying to put a lid on the fact that the UFOs took millions away, right? You're probably going to have some footage on it, something, trying to calm everything down. This guy's going to have the answers. He's going to bring a sense of peace right away. So this is the 70th week. We've, got, we've gone over the 69 weeks. We have a long time in the church age, an interval time. This is after the rapture. According to the Bible, he's going to be an incredible orator. The words are going to come off his tongue so easily. This is the last cycle of seven years in the 70 weeks of years. Remember what we said, the 70 weeks of years that he's cut out to deal with Israel. It's very clear. This is who it's about. This is what we're reading about here is, is the time that Jeremiah calls Jacob's trouble. He doesn't call it trouble for the body of Christ. Never says that. The church isn't even mentioned in this stuff. All this stuff. Those people that think we're going through the tribulation before the rapture happens, they haven't read their Bible enough they do not understand how Israel fits in, and they're probably replacement theologists, which is a wrong doctrine. The whole purpose of the tribu tribulation is for Israel. We're out. We're gone. We're eating Funyuns. We're eating oysters on the half shell, some of us. Minnesotas don't like oysters on the half shell. Reading nachos and Portillo's hot dogs, or a better version. It, that that, that seven-year party is going to seem like a week. It's going to go so fast. I'm going to dunk over Brad's Iola in basketball. Brad's shaking his head. It's going to be incredible. It's going to feel like a week. Daniel's 70, 70th week. The time of the tribulation when the Antichrist is ruling, he mentions nothing about the church. There are going to be people that understand that they cannot get the mark. That they cannot put that technology in themselves, no matter what it does for them, how it enhances them. They, re they, they refuse to get the mark. They refuse to bow down and worship the Antichrist. 
But for whatever reason, they did not listen to the time of now. In that interval time, and they were left behind because they did not believe Jesus died and rose again. He died for their sins and rose again. And they're gonna go through a living hell. And they're probably not gonna live. And the Bible is very descriptive. Because of the technology, I don't think you're gonna be able to hide. There are scriptures that say no one's gonna make it. You either choose it or you refuse it. But the modern day church, we're gone. We're gone. I'm slapping hot sauce on oysters. So he's going to start everything out with this incredible covenant in the Middle East. Okay? In the middle of that week, it's going to go three and a half years, he's going to cause the sacrifices and offering to cease after three and a half years. So we have the 70th week in verse 27 being defined by this covenant. The Amplifies it calls it a strong and firm covenant that makes, that it really brings that Antichrist into fruition. And we just read in the midst of the week, many scholars believe he erects an image in the temple, three and a half years in, an image of himself in the rebuilt temple. And Jesus says, when you see that, Jewish people, run to the mountains. Flee with the clothes on your back. Don't go back into your house and pack a suitcase. It's really interesting if you see the phrase, the remaining three and a half years. That's the tribulation cut in half. It's labeled in, in Revelation, 42 months. You can see it in Revelation, 1260 days. I mean, the Holy Spirit has done, has broken down three and a half years in so many ways in the Bible. I'm surprised it's not in minutes and seconds. So we understand this timeline. Matthew 24, 15, 16, and 21. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. He says in verse 21, for then shall be the great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the whole world to this time, nor, nor shall ever be. It, it, what, what went on in Jerusalem doesn't compare. Doesn't, what they saw in Jerusalem in 70 AD doesn't compare, or, and it never will. There will never be anything else like this. So these are the words of Jesus, and because Jesus is saying the abomination of desolation, which happens three and a half years in, you're going to see the abomination of, the, of desolation in the temple. A lot of scholars say the last three and a half years are the actual tribulation. The last three and a half years of those seven years are the actual tribulation. Or when, because at first he brings peace and safety. We just read, we just quoted Jesus, what Jesus was quoting out of Daniel was Daniel 12, about the 70th week. He was given instructions to the Jews about the 70th week. During the Nazi Holocaust, one in three Jews were killed on the planet Earth. During this Holocaust, starting three and a half years in, two of three of the Jewish people will die. Zechariah 13, 8, 9, it shall come to pass, then in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left. And that third, 
I will bring the third part through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined. I will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will, I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Just building on that, Hosea 5.15, I will return to my place on high. Remember uh, when Stephen was getting stoned, Jesus stood up from his throne, actually stood up for him in the heavenlies? You know, he, he's up there. We're supposed to be doing his work. We're supposed to be making his enemies his footstool. We are his body, right? But what does he say? I will be in my place on high until they acknowledge their offense. In other words, I'm not leaving that until they acknowledge their defense. They feel their guilt. They seek my face. In their affliction and distress, they will seek, inquire for, and require me earnestly, saying, this is a prerequisite condition for the coming of the Christ after the rapture. And it's all about the Jews. And one of the, those conditions is Israel has got to be petitioning him corporately as a nation, and they will, during the tribulation. Let me give you a theory. It's an opinion that you may have already heard. Speaking of the Antichrist in the 70th week, Revelation 3.13, I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered at the beast, the Antichrist. So did he really die, or did everybody just think he died? We're talking about the Antichrist. The beast is the Antichrist, and I've told you that there's some scholars that believe that he's mostly, that spirit behind him is mostly the leopard that John sees that it was the same demon, because it's mostly the leopard, that empowered Alexander the Great to conquer the world in 10 years. That's why you see one of the heads, it was ruined, because that head was killed because that demon had a head injured during uh, when Alexander died. So a lot of people believe it's the same demon that empowered Alexander is going to empower. Here's another opinion. Very interesting. I'd never heard this. Revelation 3.13, I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. His deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast. Many scholars think the Antichrist dies on everybody's iPhones. And, and they think that from Revelation 13.11... Another beast, because really it's a, a dynamic evil duo, the false prophet raises him from the dead. Raises the Antichrist from the dead. Let me give you a physical description of the Antichrist. I believe it's the only one that we can find in the Bible. And I'm telling you that some scholars and commentators believe here because he was wounded and raised from the dead, this is where you get the definitive description. Zechariah eleven seventeen. Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean, dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly broken. And so some scholars speculate the problems with his arm and his eye is an, are actual wounds that his right eye is darkened from the head wound. Remember we saw the leopard, he had the wound, and they thought he was dead. 
He comes back to life, but some scholars believe he's going to have a physical-looking impairment. And they believe that's from when he was killed. And a few scholars speculate because of that impairment to his right eye, it's part of the taking of the whole mark of the beast because everyone will be identifying themselves with him somehow on their right hand or forehead. I'm just giving you opinions of people that have studied this stuff a lot more than me. And this is what the Amplified calls a strong and firm covenant. Let me talk about this covenant because up until now, every effort Israel has made in the situation with the Palestinians has been to no avail, if you're paying attention. The Clinton administration, uh, 99% under the Clinton administration of everything the Arabs demanded was granted by Israel in the 90s. Not enough. And then you had George Bush basically give them the Gaza Strip. All right? It doesn't matter. There's, there has not been peace. While on CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, like to paint the, is Israel as the aggressor practically every day, refusing to allow, because they refuse to allow the Palestinians to have the, the land they, their, they, they want to call Palestine. But the actual facts are that Hamas, which is a major arm ruling the Palestinians, along with the Palestinian Authority, they want more than the land. They want, they want the Jews killed. They don't even hide that fact. And even though it seems to be a shrinking group of people within the U.S., and really up until recently, the U.S. is the only country in the world that cares if Israel lives or dies, you could actually say most of the world, look at how they vote in the UN. Every single vote is against Israel outside of the US. They just want, the, they just want Israel to go away. And as we, as we head towards the 70th week, as the clock winds down in regards to the dispensation of the church, for when this interval between 69 weeks of years and 70 weeks of years is over, the Antichrist will make his debut by signing a seven-year contract, a covenant with Israel and other nations guaranteeing their well-being, which will somehow satisfy the Arabs and the Muslims. I believe he's going to start that, that, he's going to rebuild that temple right then, right out of the rapture. I don't think we're going to get, I would be surprised if we get to see that thing being rebuilt now. It's going to be right out of the rapture. That's going to be part of the whole deal. There's going to have to be a temple rebuilt, the tribulation temple. We, we talk about, we do a whole 30 minutes on that temple alone. There's a lot in the Bible on that temple. On the final hour podcast, yes, there is a podcast that talks about this stuff weekly. Can we put the slide up, okay? People just, every week out in the lobby, I, I, I try to get there, but I can't get there www.thefinalhourpodcast.com. If you scroll down to the bottom, you see all the episodes, okay? And, and we talk about this rebuilt tribulation temple. You ever look at, the, you ever look at Israel from that, from that lookout spot from the Mount of Olives where you're looking down at Jerusalem and you see that big golden dome? It's the dome of the rock. Well, that's going bye-bye in the covenant with the Antichrist. 
because that's where the temple gets rebuilt. And somehow he's going to appease the Muslims. I think that little black one, the, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, may stay, right? I'm just trying to figure out how he's going to do that. But there's a lot of information on the tribulation temple. You could do three sermons on it, but the Antichrist, I'm sure, will, will probably be active in the world in some way before this time. But he comes into his own when he brings an agreement between Israel and the Arabs, and many scholars believe that Israel will actually herald him as the Messiah. And for that to happen, he has to have, he has to be Jewish. Not gonna call anyone the Messiah that's not Jewish. I'm just giving you different opinions. So that last three and a half years that we read about in Daniel 9, 27, which is the last verse of Daniel chapter nine, Israel's going into that thinking. It's secure. Paul even states, everyone will say, peace and safety. Look what he did. We're all safe. We're all getting along under this one world government, right? Because the Antichrist comes with all the answers. But then the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, I'll just read it to you. Then the sudden destruction comes upon them and as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So you'll have the Antichrist show his true colors. He invades Israel, defeats her after three and a half years of peace, defeats her for the first time since she's become a nation in 1948. And part of their peace treaty, they were allowed in the new temple to start the animal sacrifices again. It says in the middle of Daniel 9, 27, he causes the sacrifice and oblation to cease. He stops those sacrifices. He'll, he'll turn the temple into a shrine, setting himself up as God. And just to tell you how it ends, at the end of the seven-year tribulation, there's a lot going on, a lot of judgments being poured out, but the focus here is on Israel. When it looks like Israel will be totally destroyed in the battle of Armageddon, Jesus comes back, and you know, when Jesus defeats those armies, he sets down on the Mount of Olives, and we actually found that there's going to be an earthquake, and it's going to split in half, and if you look at where he's probably going to set down, I think it's going to cause a valley. I think that temple's going to be swallowed up in that valley. I don't think he's even going to have to tear down that temple that he desolates, that the Antichrist desolates. It's going to thaw right into a giant crevice. And so, and then he's gonna rebuild the final one. So the the one week of seven years in verse Daniel 27, chapter nine, is the seven years which completes the 70 weeks. I hope you understand something about the 70 weeks, okay, after this last two weeks, because honestly, I am learning right along with you. I'm learning right along with you, and I am enjoying this. I'm enjoying this. I'm, I'm really motivated to study this stuff, and I think what we're going to do is we're going to get through Daniel, and then I'm going to do a short series, and we're going to start to fall off. We're going to do Revelation. We're just going to go. We're going to go through each chapter at a time, because that's the best time to do Revelation is after Daniel, and so if we could bring the uh, communion elements up, we could bring the communion element elements up in uh, I think I can have a funny communion. I can have 
You can have, you can have things like this with communion. Okay. All right. So I, I asked the Lord, I was taking communion yesterday morning. I take it four times in a row in the morning. And one time, one time, the last time I take communion, I really apply the blood. I, I'm communing with Jesus. All right, you guys start handing that out. Um, I'm communing because I've got to talk until you get it handed out. Okay. So, and so, and so I'm, I'm communing with him. It's, I like it. It's, it's like dark in my house, but I can see, I can see out the windows and, and um, I'm taking communion and, and, and the Lord's like, do this in the services. Do, do it, do this one. And I was like, Lord, this is too, it's just too much. Because I'm trying to get you to take communion daily for your healing, for your connection with God, for your authority, if we could put the sculpture up. Because it has everything to do with the blood that he shed. Just who knows how much blood was shed. But I put myself at the bottom of the cross, right? And I go back to Billy Brim. You should plead the blood of Jesus twice a day. And so I, I always, I, with the bread, I do, I go, I say, Lord, I just, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ over. And this is like a lot of the old, uh, old timers would say, I hold the blood of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ onto, right? I say, I draw bloodlines with the blood of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ around. And I pray for, for living word, for living word, for the congregation. And I name, I, you know what? I name people that consider themselves my enemies. I name them. Because how do you have bitterness in your heart if you can pray for them? Jesus said, pray for your enemies, right? So I name, I name, I take my time. I name people personally, but you can also, you can, I can mention you in my prayers and the people online. Paul says it. Do not cease to pray, making mention of you in my prayers. And so I say, I, I, I plead the blood of Jesus over over our houses, cars, identities, bank accounts, money, apartments, credit cards, bank cards, over our kidneys, livers, prostates, colons, stomach, stomach lining, over, and I'm at the bottom of the cross here, I'm at the bottom of the cross, and he's, he's bleeding profusely, and I, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over over. Every cork and molecule, atom, cell, tissue, and fiber of our bodies over every, over every hair and hair follicle on our scalps, over our eyesight, vision, hearing, memory, intelligence, brain. I, I, I picture this. I, I picture them covered in the blood. Over our mind, will, emotions, decisions, reactions. Over our heart, veins, arteries, lungs, organs blood and blood flow throughout every piece and part of our bodies, our glands, nerves, nervous systems, creation and sustenance of our red and white blood cells, blood platelet counts, respiratory systems, digestive systems. I don't know the word for it, so I just say plumbing systems. It's a system. 
over our shoulders and rotator cuffs, discs in our backs, every piece and part of our backs, over our pelvic bones, hips, hip bones, hip joints, hip flexors, every piece and part of our hips, our quads, hams, knees, calves, Achilles, feet, ankles, toes, and if there's something going on in me, I make sure I lay hands on it when I speak it out, okay? Over all of it, over every piece and part of us today, Lord, over our children, over our enemies, over our bank accounts, over our past, present, and future sins, plead the blood of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. And we receive right now complete and extreme, total health and wholeness through Holy Communion. Shalom, peace. He took the bread and he broke it. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. I see it. I just see it. I, I see him going through it. Like he said, take, eat. This is my body, which was broken for you. Broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant. Cut in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it. He said, remember me. And, and we remember. What do we remember? What did the blood do also? It gave us absolute remission. Forgiveness and cancellation of every single penalty for every single sin we've ever committed according to the definition in Hebrews 10, 18. In righteousness, we've been established and in triumph, we've been restored. This cup is a new covenant. It's a new covenant with the ancient of days. Cut my blood as often as you drink it. Drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thank you so much for coming to church today, you guys.